So I got to interview Kelly Grifford and it's a great interview. She definitely, first of all, her personality is so sweet. Um, so like gentle, like very reserved, but yet very grounded. So it's a very soft, powerful, um, energy that she has. And she's an ex-personal trainer turned life coach specializing in body image and relationship to food. Cause so much of, you know, chronic dieters, um, create this identity with food of things like all these food dogma and food rules and, you know, eat this, don't eat that, don't drink your calories. Like we get trained to think that it is all about the food and the food is the issue. And a lot of it, we dive deep into this a bit about what it really means. Like the, what is it control and fear, or is it you trying to have a healthy, you know, a healthy body and we can attach a healthy body to it, a vision of what we think that looks like because of how impressed we have been with and through social norms and society and culture. And, um, you know, back in the day, it's a great thing that we're all so connected. And I think we're all connected regardless, but, um, you know, there were cultures where a heavier body was regarded as a more beautiful body. It meant fertility. It meant wealth, because if you were super slim, you couldn't feed yourself in, um, you know, times of royalty, there was, the having extra weight on your body was you were well-fed. So there was like a benefit to it and actually, you know, and then we go through things like the nineties super model era. And we see what is cool is very thin and it just creates these social, these uh, associations in our brain, regardless if you're conscious to them or not. Um, and it can be, it can bring up a lot of uh, body image issues for women. So after Kelly being a, you know, personal trainer for several years, she dove deeply into personal development, originally for her mental health and for the success of her business. Um, but she started to realize that her perceived healthy lifestyle as a fitness trainer and a nutritionist was just a very convenient way to disguise an eating disorder and an abusive relationship with herself. So her journey of reconnecting back with herself beyond the conditioning of diet culture, the fitness industry and entrepreneurship uh, was the groundwork for the work that she does today in coaching women to feel at home inside themselves and their bodies. And she really shares her story personally of what that looked like. And it wasn't all, um, you know, tears of joy. <laughs> so she was very open in sharing what a journey to health can look like. And sometimes it isn't, um, it's not always linear. And I appreciate that about her that she shared. And she also gives you guys some, you know, where to got, like, if you're dealing with these same things, getting stuck in comparison, um, feeling insecure within your body, not wanting to see yourself in the mirror, not wanting to take photos of yourself around the holidays, like having those issues are not necessarily there, you know, you, we can put them to rest. So she gives some ideas of how to guide you through there and just really highlights that poor body image has nothing to do with your body and the issues with food have nothing to do with food. Um, someone that's been stuck in the struggle, there's a deeper underlying issue going on. If you were able to, you know, kind of change up your weight management and get to a healthy weight and be happy and move on, and it was a non-issue, then that it, there would be 
no excess drama around this area. You wouldn't be listening to these podcasts. You wouldn't have done the 10 million diets that you've done, <laughs> myself included. Like if there, there's more to the story for you um, because of what ha- this has become in your life. And many of us go through this. So you are not alone. And it's not even a matter of being like fixed. It's just bringing awareness to the situation and starting to deconstruct um a lot of what's put on women and how to decide for yourself what the definition of this success is and where you feel your best. So that takes, that takes figuring out. And that's what we're here for. And that's why I love doing these podcasts and bringing these women on that have a lot of expertise and can help you. Um, and actually Kelly is very kind at the end. She, cause she has a a six-stage transformational program for healing your relationship with food, exercise, your body, and self. So if you're in this space, um, you can be entered into win a deep dive breakthrough session with Kelly. That's uh, 90 minutes. So listen to this episode, see if she is your person. And then if so, um, enter to win that deep dive and have a great day. I'm just going to get this started. All right. Love you. Hey, lovely ladies, it's Jen. I'm a mental wellness weight loss coach, and I help women who are struggling with emotional eating. It can be a roller coaster ride of cravings and comfort and just drive you absolutely bonkers. So I break down how you break free from emotional eating, binge eating, chronic dieting, and kind of take a new approach, an untraditional approach to the way we look at eating, the way we look at weight loss, and the way that we look at living. So enjoy. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be used as medical treatment or medical diagnosis. And as my seven-year-old would like to say, sharing is caring. So send to a friend you think would benefit. And of course, on your socials, I'll love you forever. And don't forget to subscribe to Freedom Within to not miss any other future interviews or episodes. To the show, enjoy. Okay, guys, so I have Kelly with me. You just learned a little bit about her through her bio, but really I want Kelly to tell us about herself, like who Kelly is, your story, and just how you help women to, you know, work on these issues within themselves, um, you know, body body image issues or, you know, eating and all of these things that women that we deal with. Yeah, well, I guess I can start by sharing that, of course, my passion for helping women specifically with self-confidence and body image issues was of course one of those pain to passion stories where that was the thing that was ultimately the bane of my existence for as long as I can remember I do not remember any point in my life where I wasn't at least aware of my body in a way that was skewed as negative in some way shape or form And I just remember being really insecure. People told me that I was a very shy kid growing up, but in hindsight, I think that I was just terrified of anybody seeing me and then rejecting me or judging me and not liking me. And so that was all of the perfect combination of ingredients in order for me to move into adolescence and and teenage years set up for being vulnerable to diet culture and all of the toxicity that kind of is interspersed into the quote-unquote health industry and the fitness industry 
And I became very obsessed with all means of essentially controlling my body, but I didn't see it that way at the time. I just thought that it was this very like empowering thing that I was doing and I was really passionate about it. And I loved going to the gym, quote unquote, loved going to the gym because I would force myself to go there for hours every single day. And what I really loved about it was what I was seeing that it was giving me. It was giving me this, what I felt was confidence because I felt worthy of it. I felt like people could look at me and see me feeling good about myself and not go, what's going on here? She shouldn't be feeling that way because of the way that she looks. Like there was some kind of expectation that I felt I was now adhering to because I was molding my body into this quote unquote perfect shape that I uh, deemed was worthy of other people's acceptance. And so that became a part of my whole life, my personality, eventually my business and my brand. I was a personal trainer. And although I was very adamant about like wanting to be one of the people in the fitness industry who was all about self-love and balance and doing this the healthy way, and I preached that very much to everyone that I was talking to in person with my clients at the different gyms that I worked with, um, even on social media, when I started using social media to post about my business and my own personal experiences with fitness and weight loss and all of that. But deep down, I was still struggling with something. <laughs> I didn't really know what it was at the time, but I could feel that there was something really not healthy about the way that I was relating to my body, myself, food, exercise. There was always some semblance of anxiety. A lot of fear was driving most of my decisions, like whether or not to eat something or whether or not to go to some event because it might interrupt my ability to go to the gym <laughs> or whatever it is, or change the way that I feel about my body if I do XYZ. And so for many years, my whole life was revolved around the control of everything in my life, essentially, to try to control how I felt about myself. And it wasn't until, of course, we all have these rude moments of awakening where I was really forced to look at the fact that I had been preaching about loving yourself and having a healthy relationship with food and exercise and doing this the healthy balanced way, but I was not healthy or balanced in any sense of the word at all. So I'm sure someone listening can maybe there's maybe a light bulb moment going off of being, yeah, I'm doing all these things, all the right things. And yet I'm not feeling better or I'm doing all the right things. I'm, you know, moving the needle. I'm losing weight. I'm looking at people are giving me praise. I'm getting some, you know, maybe some compliments and things, but yet like that doesn't, it still doesn't feel aligned. Um, and it can be really challenging to figure out like, what are these lines? What are these boundaries? How do you know that, oh, I'm in a distorted, maybe disordered place versus this is a non-negotiable in my life. Look how great I am. I showed up at the gym, even though I was, you know, sick or whatever that the disordered would be the sick person. Obviously I'm just kind of, I gave you a leading question there, but um, how do we learn? Like, where are we picking up these skewed things about what body image should look like. I think we could start there. Cause I feel like that's sure. a space of you 
I know I have in the past looked at someone and thought she looks healthy. What Mm -hmm. is she doing? They, you know, not knowing anything about her, not hearing her inner dialogue, not knowing what her lab panels are saying, but thinking like she looks healthy. So that means that she is healthy when really that, you know, your weight is not an actual indicator of your health. You can be slim and in a very mentally or physically challenging place Mm -hmm. or vice versa with extra weight and still be very healthy or not. You know what I mean? This is very, so how do you, where are these skewed marks coming from? And then, um, what's the lines? Like where, what, how, how, what, what do we do? Big yeah, question. I think the, the way, yeah, big, big question. Um, I'll, I'll try to conceptualize it in, in the way that I've kind of learned to explain it to my clients when I'm working with them is that when we can identify that there is some controlling type of feelings and behaviors and thoughts that are arising inside of how we're relating to food, how we're relating to our bodies and how we're relating to movement and exercise, then that is our indicator that there is something more unhealthy and disordered going on because control is only ever going to happen as a response to a fear. We only control things if we fear something bad is going to happen if we don't control it. And so two people could be making the exact same decision. Let's just give an example of like, deciding whether or not to eat the chocolate cake that grandma is offering them at Christmas dinner or on the weekend when they go visit grandma. And one person's inner experience of that, of grandma offering them a piece of cake could be, oh my gosh, should I do it? Should I not eat it? Well, if I do eat it, then I might feel like bad when I look in the mirror tomorrow, I might be bloated and I went to the gym earlier. So that's just going to ruin it. And I have this thing coming up and I'm afraid that if I don't look good for this event, then I'm just going to feel really insecure and not even enjoy it the entire time. Whereas maybe person number two is going to have the inner experience of grandma offering them the cake and them experiencing it as do I want this? Like, does it sound good? I am I hungry? I could eat it. I went to the gym earlier. It doesn't really matter, but I am a little bit more hungry today. Maybe that's why. And it does kind of sound good. And I haven't had grandma's chocolate cake in a long time. So maybe I will, but maybe I won't because I also know that there's dinner coming up and I don't want to waste my appetite. Like there's more, um, it's, it's a little bit of a lighter, experience that we're having internally that's based more on like I would say logic (laughs) than it is fear in the first one and so when we are identifying that there are fears that are driving our decisions with what we're doing with food what we're doing with our bodies how we're moving them how we're showing up inside of our exercise routines then that's our opportunity to start to unravel what it is that we are ultimately deeply afraid of. Because on the surface, the fear might be, I'm going to be bloated, or I'm going to gain weight, or I'm not going to lose weight, or I'm not going to feel good when I go to this event, or when I'm in a bikini in the summer, or whatever it is. But if we follow the trail of that fear, and I like to do so by just adding like, and then what? 
at the end of it. So I won't feel good when I look in the mirror. Okay. And then what? And then I'm going to go the, you know, the rest of my day feeling so um, down about myself and then what? And then I'm not going to be present with my partner and then what? And then my partner is not going to like me because I'm not being present and also my body is changing. Like there's all of these irrational sounding fears that can come up when we're following the trail of and then what? But ultimately we want to discover what inside of us feels threatened that we are using the control of food and exercise in our bodies to try to avoid and run away from. That was beautifully put of just understanding of like, where is the thought coming from or the action that you're taking coming from? Is it fear of, or is it in alignment to like, is it in service to you and your body? Is it a, a celebration of your body and your movement and your ability to eat the grandma's pie or is it mm-hmm. or even not eat it if that's the decision for that day but it is right. the sense of like the f- checking in is this a fear motivated uh action or is this a with love motivated action yeah um, and then where does so and then where would you say from your experience with working with women like where are these things coming from that these expectations that we're putting on ourselves of we have to look X, Y, and Z, or we're supposed to, this is what health looks like. This is what is, you know, um, what is the norm or acceptable or societally appreciated? Like there's so many things coming at us. How do we navigate that? And like, yeah, notice that that's what's coming at us. Like maybe we don't realize like this is unattainable. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the way that I understand these things is that ultimately they are stemming from a very, very deep self-worth wound. And we all have these like emotional wounds that we have learned to cope with in different ways. So some of these core wounds are I'm not good enough or a fear of rejection or I am a burden or I am too much. And we take on these stories and emotional wounds when we're younger based on our interpretation of what's happening outside of us, how people are treating us, et cetera. And also obviously like the people that we're surrounded with in our upbringing and how we are interpreting their experience of us as well. And when these emotional wounds felt too uncomfortable to deal with and we didn't have the tools or the support or the knowledge or the awareness to be able to, I guess, deal with and heal these wounds directly, then we kind of suppress them and we learn how to deal with them in other ways. And our methods of dealing with them is usually some semblance of control. And so if we go so many years of our upbringing, gathering evidence that our deepest fear might be true that we're not good enough or that we're inherently unlovable or hard to love or that we're too much or that we're not enough or that you know whatever it is people are going to reject us or abandon us we've gathered all of this evidence of it throughout our lives that we start to reject that story by trying to create a world around us that is opposite to that And in the world that we are exposed to, where everything emphasizes aesthetics and how we look and looking a certain way with our bodies and how hard we work is like something to be um, celebrated, 
then we we're absorbing all of this information and then interpreting it as if I want to ensure that my deepest core wound does not get become true, then I am going to, and this isn't something we're consciously thinking necessarily, like this isn't the conscious thought process we're having, but essentially what we're saying to ourselves is I need to make sure this isn't true. So let me gather all of this information and then do something with it so that I have the best chance possible of not ending up in in a position where I'm being shown that it's true, that I'm not good enough or that I'm inherently unworthy or unlovable, et cetera, et cetera. And so our society makes it really easy for us to take all of the information and then utilize it in the sense of, I'm going to diet. I'm going to control the way that my body looks. I'm going to ultimately manipulate the size and shape of my body with all of the methods that I know are available to me to do so, so that I don't have to feel this deep pain that I have of feeling ultimately like I am not enough. Mm -hmm. So consciously, well, subconsciously, we have a wound of I'm not enough, or I'm a burden, like you said, and then um, that was, that was one of my wounds. <laughs> yeah, and the, but consciously we're saying, I'm going to start that 30 day whole thing and sign up at the gym thinking like, this is the, this is the solving of the problem when really we're not dealing with the problem. Um, all right. So it is interesting. So someone who actually is wanting to become more confident and love themselves and they're choosing the route of dieting, controlling their food, uh, getting fit, but still experiencing insecurity comparison and just picking themselves apart when they look in the mirror or see a photo of themselves. So they're doing the work mm -hmm. and they're still like, you know, Debbie Downer is in their brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where would you guide them from there? Yeah, I think such a big part of this work that often gets um, overlooked is that these patterns of insecurity that we experience, like thinking negatively about ourselves or when we see a photo of ourselves like zooming in on what we don't like immediately or comparing ourselves to other people these patterns of insecurity we try to solve them through external means like well if I feel insecure about my arms let me change my arms right but it's not your arms that's creating that pattern that's a pattern that was conditioned into you for a reason and I always like to start with everything that we do, we do because on some level, we think that it's helpful. Mm -hmm. We're not actually self-sabotaging individuals inherently. Like we are always trying to get our needs met and to keep ourselves safe. And so when we see that we're doing something or we're thinking a certain way or feeling a certain way, specifically about ourselves and our bodies, that is quote unquote negative or harmful is having a negative impact on our life we need to discover why that's happening because it's, it's not just there because we want to be mean to ourselves. It's there yeah. because well, that, we think that we're getting something from it. Yeah. And that's like the binge is not initially inherently bad. It's, it's solving your need. It's actually your coping tool, your thing for not dealing with um, whatever it was that you were meant to be dealing with. It's almost like an indicator, um, but long-term. So I, I think too, just putting out there like the people that you're when you're chronic dieting when this is something that you've struggled with for you know over a year over a decade this is this is where you want to start to look because there are people out there that can 
the starting of that whole foods diet or that starting of the 30, whatever, whatever they choose to do or yeah. starting to regime, it serves them. It's helpful. Like this is, we're not saying those things are not helpful and they're not bad or there's not it a place be for done them. in a healthy way. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. But this is for you. If you're like, I've done every diet in the book and end up back where I started and it, you know, triggered those re- restrict binge cycles or hating yeah. yourself more or just feeling like this is an area in your life that you just can't figure out. So I want women to hear you. <laughs> like I want them to hear this because I think it's an important space of like, yes, food is important. How you move your body is important. But like, what are you thinking that what's underneath is where you want to really go? Um, you say that poor body image has almost nothing to do with your body and image and issues with food have nothing to do with food. So what do you mean? And why is this important for someone who wants to overcome these struggles to understand? Yeah. Well, if we're believing that our body image issues, like feeling insecure and negative about our body has something to do with our body and how it looks, then we're going to ultimately try to fix it through our bodies, which is where most people end up, right? I'm feeling insecure about my body. I'm going to go to the gym now, or I don't like the way that my pants are fitting. I'm going to stop eating X, Y, and Z or go on some kind of diet. But as I've experienced, as most women in the world at this point have probably experienced, it doesn't actually work. It doesn't work that way. We end up doing the the external thing and, and externally changing. And then our insecurities bounce maybe for one thing to another, but we never end up feeling any better about ourselves. And so it's important to recognize that our negative body image is stemming from something much deeper than just on on the surface, what our body looks like. In a lot of ways, our poor body image is a learned, conditioned way of thinking that on some level, we're thinking that way because we think it's helpful. There's a really big piece to body image that I love to highlight for people when they're going through this journey of trying to love themselves and have a better relationship to themselves and their bodies where uh, for a lot of us, we actually fear feeling good about ourselves and we actually fear having a better body image because we don't want to be seen as arrogant. We have a fear that we will lose the relationships and the connections with people in our lives that we have bonded with over self-deprecation and we don't ever want to be put in a position where we are confident and we are loving ourselves and then someone on the outside sees that and is like why (laughs) and like judges that almost in a way because they don't think that we're worthy of feeling good about ourselves and the shame of that of discovering that someone outside of us has seen us something about us that they think is wrong feels so threatening and vulnerable. And so we almost develop these armors of insecurity (laughs) in a weird way. It's like our protection of, I'm always going to look for what other people might judge about me so that I can judge it about me first. Because at least if someone's judging me about something that I already know is wrong and bad and that I judge myself for, then it won't hurt as bad. That's kind of like the idea behind it. And then when it comes to issues with food, again, coming back to this control over food, it has nothing to do with you just liking food too much. And so you need to learn to control it so that you can, you know, eat in an appropriate way. That's something I I used to believe about myself. I just like food too much. So I need to have some means of controlling it. But if we've watched ourselves go through experiences of 
using food in an unhealthy way, maybe coping with food, emotionally eating, overeating, binging in some way, then the solution to that long term is not more control. It's looking at the parts of us that feel threatened and vulnerable that we are responding to that discomfort inside of ourselves and our bodies through food, either the control of food or through eating and numbing and giving ourselves that reliable sense of comfort and a reliable dopamine hint. And so we can't just work with these issues with our body and food on the surface. We need to be willing to uncover what is really perpetuating these ways of relating to our bodies and food in order to heal them at the root. So someone that like, how do you transition into that space of um, changing, trading control for letting go or giving permission? Because that's scary for a woman that has, Mm -hmm. she knows how many calories and every little thing. And she's very, you know, it's, it's almost like, what do I, how do I let go of that? That's a very scary place to be. And the fear behind that is I'll gain weight. I will be accepted. All the things that you mentioned today mm-hmm. that are coming up and running in that subconscious mind of like, they're, you're unleashing this. So almost, I think sometimes it can get worse before it gets better. You can almost feel worse before yes. you really like start to acknowledge. It's like the journey of healing is not always pretty. <laughs> um, yeah. Like what, what does someone expect going through this journey and how can we trade in control for letting go? Like, wh- I'm interrupting myself because I just want to say thank you for being here. I appreciate that you're here. And if you're enjoying and appreciating these episodes, please leave a five-star review and a comment. It helps this podcast get out to more women to hear about how they can overcome emotional eating, binge eating, secret eating, and have more enjoyable, pleasurable weight loss. I want that for you. It is possible. Do not forget to go to the show notes and look at all the resources that are available to you um, as you go on your journey. And with that, back to the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to look similar in some ways and vastly different in other ways, depending on where someone is starting on this journey and process. So I can share a little bit about my personal experience with this. Um, Coming from that background of I basically identifying with my body and fitness and being someone that was like all about like helping people learn how to change their bodies and feel confident as a result of it. When I had my big awakening about how I was not practicing what I was preaching, but also I was really massively unhealthy and had a a horrible relationship with myself and my body and food and exercise as a result of that, then I kind of felt like I had no choice but to just dive right into the deep end when I had that awakening. And for me, that looked like at that point in my life, um, actively rejecting any and all means of controlling food and my body. And so it became a bit of a game. Like when I caught myself standing in line at the coffee shop, staring at the muffins in the bakery section and then listening to my brain justifying why I can't have it because it was a rest day today and I already had breakfast and blah 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 like those familiar streams of controlling thoughts then I would have it (laughs) or when I would catch myself justifying why I need to work out because 
later this week, I might need to take an unexpected rest day because X, Y, Z is maybe going to happen. Then I would take that rest day today. Because if I noticed myself justifying it, that was a controlling behavior that I wanted to recondition and essentially teach myself through experience that if I do the thing that feels scary, so scary that my mind is so tight wired conditioned to respond to it through all of these controlling thoughts and behaviors, if I teach myself that if I do those things and I'm okay, <laughs> like over time, I am okay, then some of those fears and insecurities around food and exercise in my body are going to eventually have to soften. So I made that commitment to myself. At first, it was really fun. There was like this period of like, I'm free and I can eat whatever I want. And like, I'm healing and things are great. And like, I just felt so inspired by the decision that I had made and was feeling so much more energized. My hair was growing again because my hair was like falling out for a long, a very long time. And just in general, I was feeling really good. Then my clothes stopped fitting and I was noticing my body felt different, looked different. And as a result, I started looking for more evidence that my body was changing. And of course, when I'm looking for it, I'm going to find it. And then I had to go through what felt like a really long time. In hindsight, it was probably three months at its heaviest peak of just incessant controlling thoughts and feelings and just having that voice that used to be kind of subtle, just be screaming at me not to eat something that my body is not okay, that I'm disgusting, that people are going to be judging me, that I'm losing credibility, that every reason under the sun that my mind could come up with to shove me into what felt comfortable, which is going back to some means of controlling food in my body again, I had to experience those thoughts on overdrive and force myself not to listen to them. And that was hard. That was a very transformative <laughs> period of my life. But one of those transformative periods that is just like the dark, like in the chrysalis of the butterfly transforming mm -hmm. and just feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. And hiding a lot like it was a weird point in my life where I had moved out of my um, home city where I used to be a personal trainer so it was a weird environment that I actually kind of got to like actually physically hide because I was in a new city didn't really know anybody I was living with my dad at the time so like I literally just like hid and I let myself experience heaps of shame and insecurity and fear and because I didn't have the reliable means of dealing with those fears and insecurities and really uncomfortable feelings by going back to control, I had to actually learn how to process my emotions mm -hmm. and how to comfort myself when I was feeling so dysregulated and fearful. And there was so many lessons that I was in a way kind of forced to learn during that time that has ultimately really served me from that point in my life forward to really learn how to be there for myself and not have to rely on any sort of external behavior and means of control that ultimately wasn't good for me in order for me to 
be okay at the end of the day. Um, do you, oh my gosh, I have so many questions after mm-hmm. that, hearing that. Um, have you, have you ever heard of Katie, Byron Katie's Loving What Is? Do you ever read that book? Love, I love her. So if you think <laughs> of that, of like being okay with what is, because yeah. there is, I mean, we see that even I think, you know, generally speaking, society is going to be like, when you put weight on, unless you're pregnant, it's going to be like, oh, is something wrong with you? Is something, is, yeah. is something where, when the opposite is true, you lose weight, regardless if it's from grief, a, you know, a stressful situation, or maybe like a right. trauma response of weight loss, like there, you lost weight. You look great. What are you doing? You know what I mean? It's like innate of, I try very hard not to comment on people's weight, not to say that, you know, you don't want to, um, acknowledge work that people are doing, but, um, so that fear of someone is saying like, okay, I want to change my relationship with food. There may be weight gain. Do you know what I mean? Like that might be a byproduct of this. And for me, that doesn't feel good or safe either. And you going through that saying you have to learn to love yourself at any size to know that you're lovable. is kind mm-hmm. of what I'm hearing that not necessarily, not everyone's going to put on weight. I find that people, your body finds right. that, like equilibrium, equilibrium homeostasis yes. of your uh, best weight for your body's biological needs. Um, and then I do think that we can um, not manipulate, but um, rewrite, rewrite emotional set points. Cause I do think sometimes you go keep, you can keep yourself in certain weight categories because of subconscious belief systems that aren't necessarily helpful. But, um, I just, it's such a complex space. <laughs> you know what I mean? Such a complex space. So if the, if someone's saying like, I'm really afraid to put weight on, if this is going to end up happening and maybe it ends up coming right back off, you know what I mean? Like, cause you, mm-hmm. you do start to recognize like more eating because you have permission to eat everything you might in the beginning, but eventually start to recognize if you're doing the work of really figuring out what's going on. So giving permission without doing the work, I think necessarily isn't always the best game plan. But understanding you're going in it with, you're going to figure, you you want to bring up the awareness. You want to bring up the holes. You want to bring up the bind spots and the wounds. Like you want to like put the light, in, bring the light in yes. and um, air everything out and get in there so that you can on the back end be like, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. <That's> <laughs> so what do you say to her? What do you say? What do you, yeah. any encouraging words or you've been through it, your clients go through it. What do you say to her? What do you say to her? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, what kept me in a disordered relationship with food for so long and, and being aware that I had it, but like still kind of staying in it was the belief that the pain of my body changing and gaining weight was massively bigger than the pain I was in having an unhealthy relationship with food. Mm. And it wasn't until I really not intentionally questioned it. I was kind of forced into learning that maybe that's not true because I really had an awakening around how much my current relationship with food and my body was having on every area of my life. It was forcing me to have to pour so much of my energy and my attention into this thing, into the control of my body and food that I couldn't be present with people. I couldn't form relationships with people. And ultimately I started to see that a lot of the insecurities that I was trying to push away through 
having the body were not actually gone. They were still coming up and they were putting walls up between me and people and they were forcing me to push people away. And I didn't have a very good social life. And my whole life was just revolved around this thing. And although it was comfortable because I was used to it, I really started to question whether that the pain of gaining weight was really ultimately undoubtedly going to be worse than the pain and the suffering that I was already in. And that inquiry came with a few different sides. One was actually investigating the pain that I was in and being radically honest with myself about how much suffering I was really in, even though it was comfortable suffering, how much the control of my body and food was really impacting me and everything in my life and just being honest about that. And another part to it was investigating the pain that I perceived was going to come from gaining weight because obviously my mind amplified what that would be like based on earlier life experiences when I was a kid and I didn't feel secure in my body and I was bullied and I always compared myself to the skinnier girls and never felt like I was enough and my crushes never liked me back and I never had any friends and like I was lonely and I hated myself and I was also a kid and didn't know what to do and I didn't have support and you know there was all of these really amplified emotionally uncomfortable and painful experiences that I associated with gaining weight only because that was me prior to gaining weight but they all didn't have to do with my body I thought that they did like unconsciously associated like if I had just been skinny my whole life would have been better but like not really (laughs) if we look at it we create these cause and effects yeah we create these cause and effect things that aren't true they're not actually real there's maybe correlations but they're just not true um yeah yeah, I think that that this is this was a really great conversation. I feel like body image, you know, comes into play and really does. It, it, I'm, I'm a lost her words of how it, it influences. That's the word I was like, for. it influences our decisions and what we choose to do and how we feel about ourselves. So having the conversation about body image and making sure that you're looking at things in a different from a different perspective of making sure you're honoring yourself, you're serving yourself from a higher level and coming from a place of love um, versus that what you spoke of with fear and control is like very helpful to know. Um, Is there anything else you want to add? I guess for anyone that is, that is in that place where they are still very unsure and fearful of whether like it would be worth it for them to look more deeply at these things and put themselves in a position where their body might change and releasing some of that control that they have so tightly around their body and food as a result of it. I would love for someone in that position to just hear that, you know, there's always going to be an opportunity for you to go back to control if that's ultimately what you decide is better. And I think that for my journey, when I was moving to away from the control of my body and food and towards um, more food freedom and looking at unconditionally healing my relationship with my body, I had to set some boundaries as far as like, I wasn't going to go back to control as soon as I felt uncomfortable. 
because I knew I was going to have to feel uncomfortable in the process. But knowing that like, if I went all in on learning and discovering if my life could be any better, if I completely let go of the control of food in my body, let my body just be whatever size and shape it wants to be. When I am just living my best life and being healthy and enjoying my life and not living in fear anymore. If I was living into really discovering if my life could be better and found out that it wasn't and like honestly wasn't, then I could go back. Mm -hmm. But I had to give myself the actual opportunity, the full opportunity to discover, not just lean in a little bit and then start to gain weight and feel really uncomfortable and hate it and then go right back. Like I couldn't give myself that little of a wiggle room. Um, And so I want to encourage anyone that's in a position where they are very fed up with that way of living their lives. Um, There is so much available for you on the other side of you, at least betting on the idea that your life could be so much better and your body image and your relationship with your body and your self-confidence could actually be better if you stopped so tightly trying to control your body and food. And there's the flip side to this guys too. I mean, we highlighted the weight gain, but I know clients that once they release that control, they easily lose weight just because they were holding onto it so tightly. They were inflamed. They were in stress. You know, their body was, when your body's in a constant state of stress, often it's not going to, it depends on the person. It depends how you, how you deal with stress, but it won't delegate or prioritize weight loss. Sometimes you hold on to the extra weight because it's dealing with other things going on in the body and you start to feel calm when you sit down for a meal and you start to look at yourself and just, again, regulate that nervous system, like weight can actually fall off surprisingly too. So there's that space that you might be, you know, in either camp and neither is right, wrong or the other, but it's just, I think letting people know that that's a possibility and that there's a time and space that needs to be held for that journey is important. Like you said, it was what, six months at least, right? If you did like, you started your yeah. like permission space and then your freak out space and then <laughs> yeah. around space, you know what I mean? Like it's not an overnight, yeah. you didn't get there overnight. Yeah. Um, give yourself the time and space to, you know, recalibrate and, you know, yeah. back around. So yeah. Okay. So where can people find you, Kelly? Where can they get um, more information on how you, you know, come from this space and helpful that's helpful to them? Like where, where can they get yeah. parts of the community? Absolutely. Yeah. So for anyone that is interested in finding out more about the type of work that I offer, the best place to discover that is on my website, which is kelevatecoaching.com. There you can find two things. One is my Calivate Method program, which is a six-month journey for healing your relationship with your body and food and exercise and yourself as a result. And you can also find a link to apply for my monthly giveaway where I give away a 90-minute breakthrough coaching session to one person per month. And that is really ultimately a session for us to dive into either your ultimate goal and vision and receive support around what's holding you back from having what you want, feeling how you want, whether that's in your body or some other area of your life, or to receive support and coaching around some kind of issue or block that you're experiencing, whether it's having to do with your body or something else, 
can find out more about that on my website. You can also follow me on social media. If you use TikTok, you can find me using the at Kelevate, which is just the word elevate, but with a K in the beginning, little play on words with my name. Mm -hmm. And same on Instagram. You can find me at Kelevate with an underscore at the end of it. All the links will be in the show notes. And thank you again, Kelly, so much for sharing your story, just giving us some perspective of what disordered eating looks like, how the body image impacts our choices and food and health. And we know that it's not really your fault. Honestly, like I say, like, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility if you want to make changes. So it's like, there's no pointing fingers, blame, guilt, or shame. Like you grew up in the, how old are you, Kelly? I'm 26. (laughs) So I'm 42. So like, but I feel like there's just so much coming at us in different spaces. Like it's not your fault, but yet it is your, you have to change. You have Mm -hmm. to be the person that puts things into place to shift your life. Like it is your responsibility and also your privilege to get to do it. Like get to put it into a place of like, this is a good thing. This is amazing. And and I get to change what that does not serve me. And my little guy's here. So I'm going to call this now, but thanks so much. Love you guys. And have a great day.